let's just say that so you know so that anybody listening is is, is very clear you put together a musical with a cast of 46 <laughs> everyone on lockdown in their homes during the COVID-19 <laughs> global pandemic. Yeah. I don't even know where to start with the logistical <laughs> questions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's did, so crazy. <laughs> how did that work? Hi, and welcome to Drinking with Creatives, a podcast so on the nose, the word creative becomes ironic. My name is Jeremy Berger, a documentary filmmaker and senior editor. And each week I sit down with a fellow creative, talk shop, talk life, and have a drink. It's almost bad comedy at this point to talk about how much we miss being amongst people. Even with the vaccine for COVID in sight, the urge to be amongst the crowds is an ever-present urge for us. Well, I might have a little medicine for that. Today I'm talking to Liz Muller, co-founder of Pipe Dream Theater and the director of its musical podcast, Three Ghosts. We'll get into what the podcast is shortly, but with a combination of great writing, direction, and music, it was a wonderful reprieve that I enjoyed very much. And I hope you will too. Take a listen. First question, most important question, what are you drinking? I am drinking screwball peanut butter whiskey. What? Yes. So my best friend, Carlene, hi, Carlene, I love you. She sent me this bottle of peanut butter whiskey for my birthday, which I totally think is illegal and a federal offense, by the way, but it's hilarious. So she sent me this bottle and she's like, this is amazing Liz. you have to taste this whiskey. And it's incredible. It's like, I, I like whiskey anyway, but this is like the dessert of whiskey. I feel like it belongs on a bowl of vanilla ice cream and in a coffee. And I'm just having it over ice right now. And it's super, super. And I pour it like, like it's a beer. Like it's like a pint of whiskey. Oh. And I'm always like, is this too much whiskey? No, it's peanut butter whiskey. It's fine. <laughs> this is going to end well for everybody. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. It is insane. <laughs> it's totally record. And there's ice though, guys, there's ice. So it's, it's not that bad. I also have not had a single sip of it yet. So I'm excited to get started. Okay. Well, Liz, before we get to the halfway point of that class, please tell the world who you are, what you do and where we can find you, because we don't want to take it later uh, when we're, you know, slurring. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Liz Muller. I am a director, music director, lyricist, performer, and musician. I am the co-founder of Pipe Dream Theater and Half World. I have directed all over the world for cruise lines and theme parks and colleges and high schools. I do coaching. I am a writer. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Liz Muller Directs, or you can find me at my theater company's website, which is pipedreamtheater.com. Uh, did I miss anything? That's all my stuff, I think. I don't think, yeah, I think, I think we're covered. Great. I think we're covered. So I the want the, well, the <laughs> beginning. Uh, the beginning. Because I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to stutter for just like five minutes straight, but I was floored uh, when I listened to your podcast, Three Ghosts. Uh, it's it's wonderful, and I, I've got so many questions about it, uh, but and for the sake of context, could you please tell everybody what Three Ghosts is? Three Ghosts is a reinterpretation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It is a complete original musical with complete original libretto. Um, it's sort of modernized. We reworked it 
last year for a podcast form, which we recorded with a cast of 46 people all over the globe. We used uh, folks on the six livable continents. Um, yeah. Ah. She's had a life for about 15 years. We originally wrote Three Ghosts as a Christmas Carol in 2006. And since then, Three Ghosts has had a lot of different lives on this earth, including um, some colleges, some high school performances. It was performed off-Broadway at Theater Row. Uh, it's had multiple cast recordings. This was actually the sixth one that we did. Um, and this was just sort of a new take on doing it and a chance for us to finally like fix everything we've always wanted to fix for so many years um, with people that we respect greatly and love immensely. Oh God, where do we even begin <laughs> with this? Now, as you said, um, and just curious, because uh, this was recorded during the pandemic. Yes. Let's just say that, so, uh, you know, so that anybody listening is, is, is very clear. You put together a musical with a cast of 46, <laughs> everyone on lockdown in their homes during the COVID-19 <laughs> global pandemic. Yeah. I don't even know where to start with the logistical <laughs> questions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's did, so crazy. <laughs> how did that work? Okay. So, oh gosh, I'm smiling so hard. It was such a freaking blast. Like top to bottom, my favorite thing in the world. So C.E. Simon, he's my partner in life and crime and music and all things wonderful. He and I were having dinner one night and he has for years been wanting to do a musical podcast. He loves like old timey radio shows and Foley work and like all kinds of cool sound design, etc. Right. And he's like, well, I want to do a musical podcast. And I for years have been saying I'm not home enough to do anything like creative on our own because I'm always working abroad and he works from home. Uh, so we just didn't have the time to be able to do it. And then September 2020, one evening, he looks at me and he's like, I really want to do a musical podcast. And I was like, we got to do Three Ghosts. And that was September, like maybe 9th. Um, we had our first full cast read September 18th. And then by December 19th, we released the podcast. So what happened was we just dove in. We just literally started, like, let's just get down and do it. We started uh, talking about how we're going to rewrite the scripts, how we're going to think of, you know, new exciting things for characters to do. What songs do we need? What songs do we hate? Because we cut songs like for years. We're like, God, this song's a piece of garbage and it really needs to not be in this show. So this was our opportunity to like be like, nope, we're not using this anymore. And we would just cut songs, we cut lyrics. Every single song in the show got a facelift, whether it was just the orchestration of it or top to bottom lyrics for the entire song. There is not a song that wasn't touched uh, lyrically or arrangemently, mm -hmm. um, which is a lot of work when you're dealing with like, you know, sampled sounds and sound libraries and you're one person reorchestrating an entire show. He also wrote the book for it, top to bottom. So we didn't originally have a script that was our own. We used Charles Dickens words because obviously Dickens is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And this was a chance for C.E. Simon to be like, you know what? I'm going to write my own script now because he's a book writer, wrote a whole script um, and then just started emailing people. And I just was like, hey, we're interested in you playing this part. Are you interested? And email after email after email, everybody just said yes. And then I was at a cast of 46 people and, you know, juggling schedules and teaching people how to use 
the software on their computers. And some people had never done that before. Like these singers that are incredibly talented that are so used to performing theater on stage. I'm now like, okay, let's learn how to use GarageBand together. Or, oh, wow, you have logic. That's so cool. Let me walk you through some stuff. Um, Liz, I don't know how my microphone works. And I have this really kick-ass microphone for five years. Can you show me how to set it up? And I learned so much by teaching them and they learned so much by doing it. And really it was just like keeping open the lines of communication the entire time with a cast of like four dozen people all over the world, different time zones, different countries. You ever have a problem, you message me, we'll figure it out together. I don't want you to feel like an idiot on your own. Like, let's feel like we don't know what we're doing together and be stronger in the end for it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Put me into a, 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 a typical session. Did these actors like work together? Did you, did you, were you just holding like Zoom calls where each one was recording the source audio that you would have to like lay back in together? Because it's not just that there are entire scenes that are built out. Uh huh. Yeah. How but, did that happen? Um. So we had one full cast Zoom read, uh, mm. and it was. It, it was fantastic, but it was awkward because it's Zoom and everybody's trying to like act and, you know, timing and glitching and whatever. So we had one full cast Zoom read. And then from there on out, um, I would just meet with people individually. And when I say that, I, I mean, like, maybe I met with people three times tops and it would be like okay here's the tone of your character here's the quality that I need here's some tempo things lay your lines down and all I asked for was that they give me each line with three different reads so I had a choice so scene by scene I would get all of these sound files back for 46 actors times two hours of musical and all that dialogue and three takes of each line and I would pick and choose what worked together and if I was cutting a scene together and something was absolutely tragic I would just be like hey can you do this line just read it like this and I'm not not one to give a line read and actors don't love a line read they want to come up with a character but I, I just was real honest I was like it's faster if I tell you exactly what I need to make it fit and you just send me the line back and and they loved it and it didn't waste their time And, you know, that's how I put together all of the scene work. The songs were a different story. So after rewriting all of the songs, I went back in and recorded all of the voice parts for every single song. So, you know, two sopranos, alto, two tenors, a bass, record all the voice parts, separate them out and break them down into phrases. Because these are songs nobody knows. They're original pieces of music. There's no reference point. So then I would mail these, mail, like it's the 80s. I would email, (laughs) uh, I would email these uh, sound files to people so they could sing with me. And if they were singing with me, then their articulation, their tempos, their dynamics, their cutoffs, everything would be identical to one another. And then I would get those sound files back and have to layer them together, mix them all together. And that's kind of like the basic broad stroke of how we put together this 46 person musical during a pandemic. Good God, I, I I just had a small anxiety attack. Uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> and then on top of which, I'm sure you're going to jump to this, but it's like the most exciting thing to me. We have 3D binaural sound. Yes. Um. So I'll shut up about that. But it's exciting. Wait for it to come. <laughs> no, it's it's well that that's that's the thing I unfortunately have have to tell you and advise anyone listening to this. Listen to this on a very good sound system. I didn't, I do not have surround sound, but hearing some of the Foley work uh, and the environmental work, I I was, I was just like floored because the thing is, and this is a guilty admission on my part, uh, ever since the pandemic has locked down, uh, I have grown a little addicted and I'm sorry, I'm going to try and get through this without 
getting weepy, but I've grown addicted to reaction videos. Uh, <laughs> okay. Just like videos of people like reacting to like the Avengers movie or like the Game of Thrones shows, like, uh-huh. like even stuff I don't like, just so I can be, feel like I'm around people again. Uh-huh. And it was wonderful listening to this because I felt like I was in the middle of a play, and I just found myself swept up into it. I, I, I'm 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 still kind of floored from the experience. Uh, I, I ugh, ugh. that is like so unbelievably meaningful to me and believe me every one of us that worked on this like the cast loves it too you're right like headphones are always the best with like 3d sound especially because it really just shoves you into the environment but Mm. that's something we're all missing right now is this like super freaking cool togetherness of doing theater yes and we were like how can we make it even more alive than it would be normally God, again, everyone go, go, go take a listen. It's fun. (laughs) Um, So on top of like the sheer, just like logistics of it. So you, you were saying, can you talk a little bit more about like the workshopping that you did specifically with the songs? Cause like you didn't just start writing this one day and then two and a half months later, just pump it out right before Christmas. You, you, you've, you've been living with this material for years. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a hard yes. So this was actually written originally for a high school. So C.E. Simon and I both worked at the at this high school and they did not have a super ton of money but wanted to do a Christmas musical and uh, approached us and you know they were like can you just like throw something together carols and whatever and he and I were like yeah of course we'll you know deck the halls over the weekend and it'll be adorable for kids and you know the <laughs> the musical theater nerds that we are we go home and over the weekend, we write four songs and then we're like, well, screw it. We're writing a full musical for these kids. <laughs> and and this was 2006. So we didn't tell them it was us. We made up a name. Her name is Jessica Schlesinger and she is our imaginary friend in California. And we were telling the cast that Jessica was doing this show at a regional theater in California and like faxing us new music every day for us to use. When in reality, Simon and I were like rushing home to like plunk things out on a piano and throw down lyrics to bring into the school the next day to teach the kids to do a show in three weeks. So the very first version of the show was thrown together, but a lot of the very first version of the show still exists and has been modified over time. Um, When we decided to take it on and and make it like an actual living, breathing thing, and that's when it went from being A Christmas Carol to Three Ghosts, we uh, rewrote a bunch of songs. We added some stuff so there was a little more like adult content because it was was super duper kid-friendly in the beginning, and now it's a little darker. Mm -hmm. Um, And over time, the songs have evolved. How we've arranged them has evolved. How we've done uh, like the voicing of things has evolved. And we even have friends... Uh, one of our very best friends, Mike, did he does covers of our music because he loves our music. So we took one of cool. his covers and reimagined it for the musical version of it. So now that's in the podcast as well. Um, so it's been this wonderful like trajectory for, I guess, like 15 years. Um, but yes, from September to December, every song was technically rewritten. If you were to play Three Ghosts of like 2010 beside Three Ghosts of 2020, they wouldn't necessarily sound the same. The orchestrations are vastly different. The lyrics are 100% different. Um, the voicing is different. Just we're better at what we do 10 years later than we were, you know, 10 years ago. You just evolve. Uh, so that was a lot of what we really wanted to do was get to tell our story now the way we want to tell it. Mm. So it was, it was lots of notes on pages for four months. 
<laughs> brand new notes on pages <laughs> we, we, we could talk about those notebooks but there are fallen cam- comments at this point <laughs> now uh when it came time like and you were mentioning before how the revisions that you were making the songs the the the, the, the stuff that you've been wanting to do for a long time were you just drawing on just like a backlog of stuff like kind of just now seeing your opportunity to go at this again or was it all like let's take a fresh look right now what do we want to do with it well, there's always been two songs in the show that we were like, oh, God, these just suck. <laughs> they just suck. And they were needed because it was like the ghost of Christmas present needs a song. They're the ghost of Christmas present. But the song just never did what we wanted the song to do. So this was an opportunity for us to be like, you know what? Screw this dumb song. We hate it. Let's write a brand new song. And and we did. And then we added more characters to the whole entire present scene and wrote a brand new sort of like Irish jig feeling song that wasn't originally in there. And these new ideas feel really great because now everything's got a new life to it. So we were definitely not pulling on old material. It wasn't like we had these ideas that we wanted to use. It was like we had material we didn't like and we wanted to redo it. So the, the ideas were super fresh. The ideas came in September. It wasn't so thing we were sitting on I wish it was because it some of it was painful to come up with you know you're like and then you write something so good I don't know if anybody's experienced this you write something so good and then you have to write something else and you're like shit if nothing I write now is going to be as good as this thing I just wrote and it has to be as good or better Mm -hmm. and that was a really scary place to be because you feel like I can't do it I just can't do it um uh, I yell a lot. I yell a lot. Ah. And C.E. Simon will tell you, I blame him for his music. I'm always like, why did you write this? And he's always like, why do you hate me so much when we do these things? And I'm like, I don't hate you. I'm projecting. I hate me. But oh, he is, I mean, our, our process is really interesting too, I think, at least from other duos that I know that write musicals and songs and stuff I do not write the lyrics first that's just not what happens he Mm -hmm. writes all of the music first and then we'll kind of storyboard or he storyboards like he goes in knowing okay I want to tell this story this the story and this story so he writes the music accordingly and then I get the music and write the lyrics so it's it's not really hand in hand so much as one than the other but then sometimes I'll have his music and you know just not nothing is coming and that's what I'm like ah <laughs> you're terrible <laughs> he hates me for that but um yeah take a shower right go take a shower and take a figure showers. it out yeah take, take your take your waterproof notebook in with you to the shower and just we'll, we'll, we'll <sighs> see you when you get out Jeremy I cannot wait to get a waterproof notebook <laughs> I like I'm not even kidding when we hang up I'm getting a waterproof notebook <laughs> it's, it's it like everything else is on Amazon I'm sure oh. um can I ask totally. you about one of those specific scenes in general? I'm just curious about because, um, and I have to be honest with you, like I'm familiar as I think everybody is after a certain age, uh, that age being anything in the childhood region, uh, familiar with the story of Charles Dickens classic. What I was not as familiar right about because I, I don't remember its representation in so many other of the adaptations was a character of Freya, mm-hmm. uh, Scrooge's niece. Um, was that one of the scenes that you filled out with more people? I'm curious. Yes. So Freya is Fred, his nephew. Um, Ah. so the scene is very reminiscent of what happens originally in the story where Fred shows up and he's Merry Christmas, uncle, and all of that wonderful stuff. And, you know, Scrooge is all, ah, bah, humbug you and your Merry Christmas and all that. Yeah. So, but so many of these characters 
are are men, like almost all of them in the novel. They're all men. The ghosts are all men. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a guy. And mm-hmm. like, that's just not fair. Let's throw some chicks in there. So absolutely. So we threw Freya in there. Uh, also, if, if you're listening, total spoiler, Freya is a lesbian, which is mm-hmm. cool. And, and you'll pick up if you're if you hear it. And if you don't, then cool, too. Sure. But there were things that we just wanted to, like, put in there and just make them everyday things because they are everyday things. You know, it, it's kind of wonderful listening to the podcast. You may not know, but if you visit uh, the website and you see our cast, our cast is literally from all over the world. Our mm-hmm. Scrooge is Filipino. His name is Noel Reyes. He is brilliantly talented. Um, you know, the, the the cultures and colors and shapes and sizes that we have represented is is so, so cool. And if I did it on stage, I would do it exactly the same way because I don't care what you look like. I care how you tell the story. Yeah. Uh, so Freya was like a really cool character to change and make her his niece and still be as strong and as brash as his nephew would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's something also really nice because she reminds him of his sister Yes. And that's that can be even more heartbreaking when you're relating like a sister to a niece as opposed to a sister to a nephew. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a really it's a really charming change that Simon made. And, and I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was definitely uh, especially because uh, spoiler alert, uh, there's some drinking going on in the scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, just just a little bit. That and, uh, scene does exist, though, Jeremy, in like Topper is a real Dickens character. Um and he's oh, absolutely sure. just, in yeah those are all real people the names are not i think all the same but topper is real yeah oh yeah no no i'm i'm sure it's just i've i've full disclosure i've never actually read the dickens classic uh, i've just cool. seen its interpretations <laughs> and this was just as far as interpretation something that i hadn't seen before thanks um, no, i'm thank saying you. thanks i'm going to say thanks <laughs> okay so thanks works um, were there any other scenes that kind of like stood out for you as either from a difficult standpoint or, oh God, we've been waiting years to do this um, without too many spoilers, of course. We our future has taken on a lot of different lives since we first started. The original future uh, was played by a dancer, a singular dancer, and she danced on point and she was all in black and it was really creepy and awesome and beautiful and weird. And then we evolved into sort of a theme punk, uh, steampunk theater company, theme punk, steampunk theater company. And we took our future character and made them uh, sort of mechanical, like Mm. kind of like all their parts and bits and pieces fit together and did weird things. And there were nine of them and they swept Scrooge around and took Scrooge to all of these crazy places, but they never sung. They were still strictly dancers. Mm -hmm. And so this time, when we were like, well, we're a podcast now, let's write a future song. So the song that you hear future sing is actually originally just an instrumental. And we put all of these lyrics to it so we could have future voices. And then um, the idea of these futures, like, you know, all whispering and being creepy and weird and like their voices sort of wisping away into different trajectories of the future, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, was something that we wanted to play with. Plus like the, su- the surrounding sounds of their voices, like circling you and being in your ear and being in front of you is really unnerving when you're listening to it. So that was a lot of fun. That's not something that uh, we had ever really thought about in our original versions and was something we really got to play with in the podcast version of it. It's a four-episode series. Each one's roughly around 30 to 35 minutes. 
And here, the, the first question I kind of had uh, at the beginning of the first episode, because you actually start, and I don't know if, the, again, I haven't read the Dickens classic, but you actually start off in the home of Jacob Marley. Is that, is, was that in the original story as well? I'm curious. Um, so in the original, the first line of the original is Marley was dead to begin with. Make no doubt about it about that, right? right. And I've always heard that in Marley's voice. I always thought Marley was dead and narrating it. Um, and we never see him die. We just know he's dead from the beginning. So we took it back a night or two uh, and brought you to the night of his death. And and their house, it's actually their house. They live together, Scrooge and Marley do. Mm -hmm. um, oh my God. Anytime I say that, all I can think of is the Muppets Christmas Carol, which is arguably like the best Christmas Carol in the world. And Waldorf and Statler are both Marleys. This is a total sidebar over here, but they're always like, we're Marley and Marley. Woo, it's the best. Go okay. watch Muppets Christmas Carols. Si do you si like that one? Sidebar on top of that sidebar. I don't think I've thought about that one in years. And now... I gotta go watch it. Oh God. It's so good. It's so good. Oh God. Michael Caine is so good. Just mm. like like Gonzo kind of being Dickens walking around narrating the whole thing is so good. I love it. I love that Christmas Carol. And then there was the one man Christmas Carol this Christmas with um Jefferson. Oh God, what is his name? Jefferson. I don't know his name. Jefferson May? Jefferson. I'm sorry, Jefferson. You're so incredible. Um, I can't think of his last name right now, but he did a one-man Christmas carol. He also did um, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. He's incredible. And he played every single character in A Christmas Carol. It was Good brilliant. Cool. Um, it was, it's absolutely brilliant. If you guys can find it, you should totally watch it. It's unbelievable. Um, so I totally forgot the question, Jeremy. But yeah, we took, we took Marley's death. We took it from Marley's death as opposed to after Marley's death. And they are in Scrooge and Marley's house. And it's the last moments of their life. And I think in those final moments, you really understand their relationship and their mm. strange closeness and just like meanness to each other that they clearly always had. Um, it's, it's really telling. <laughs> it is. And I was very uh, curious about that because there's, there's the situation in the two scenes uh, between um, Ebenezer and Jacob Barley uh, involving a candle, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm I'm just kind of curious because it's set up thematically. Uh, I think a, a little bit of a different aspect of the Scrooge character, and and I, I'm curious, like why, like beyond just like interesting, was there something that it was doing for the story that made you go in that direction? Like I, I'm curious about it. I think uh, I think part of what Simon was doing when he wrote mm -hmm. that scene. Um, one is that, you know, we see how um, cheap Scrooge is, even yes. in these moments of need where Marley is just begging for light. Yes. Um, but I, I actually think it has very little to do with the candle and Marley's whole world is just becoming dark. So mm -hmm. even though Scrooge gave him the candle, it doesn't matter. These are his last moments. It could be the brightest room in the world and Marley is still going dark. And I think that's what makes it so sad. Scrooge did give him what he wanted, but it it didn't matter in those in those last minutes. Oh God, that is dark. Yeah. Uh, what, what Maze was... Jefferson Maze. Sorry, Jefferson no Maze. One Man Christmas Carol. Go. 
Got it. Real quick. Uh, uh, which spelling of maze is that? M-A-Y-S, I believe. M-A-Y-S, the simplest form. Great. Uh, Jefferson Maze. And what was, uh, what information were you giving the actors for that scene? Um, Cause there's a lot of background they had to have going into that, right? There is. Um, we did a lot of just talking personally about stuff and, you know, life experiences and losing people and, and just being truthful to the words. Cause it's really easy to go sad when something is sad, but we needed them to be angry at each other. And even though this may be their last breath together, they still have this relationship that hasn't dissipated. So we had to feel that as well. And I think staying true to their sort of sick brotherly relationship makes it even sadder because there isn't that kindness or that warmth or that let me hold your hand moment. Mm -hmm. It's the exact opposite. And that's heartbreaking. I don't even want to talk about the second scene because we'd be giving too much away. Can't do that. <laughs> Can't do that. Um, and oh, I'm trying to think what what there was just so much. It's it's an incredibly dense because you you also, by the way, there for everyone listening, there are four half-hour episodes. But if you're just in for a time, there is you did uh one two-hour episode that was just all four combined, right? Yeah, totally. So you can listen to it straight through. Gotcha. If, gotcha. if you like. Yes. I like it in pieces personally. Like, I do like it in pieces. Um, it's like, I feel like something more is coming. Mm. Like I, I listened to the two hour and I'm always like, wow, how did we do this? Like everyone sounds so great. And that's something else that even just as sound people, and you have to know this too, having mm. a podcast and being an editor and making films, like sound is your nemesis. Oh, <laughs> people that don't do sound, sound is your nemesis. We always joke about this in theater. Like you can turn on Christmas lights in a theater and people will think you're like a lighting wizard, but God forbid the sound is just a teensy bit off. Everybody's like, oh my God, the sound's horrible. This was the worst, da, 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 da. you know, yes. sound yes. is so hard. And we're not only dealing with, you know, 46 people whose experience level varies greatly but now we're talking about room acoustics and like how are they exporting a file and this that and the other so putting all of that together is always shocking that we did it I'm always like hey this is like not bad and super not bad for a first time out and extra super not bad for people learning on the go again I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to throw out the compliment wagon right here because I listen to it as, as somebody who has to work with sound all the time and it sounded <laughs> incredible oh they, I'm smiling my tears uh, that makes me so happy thank you but you know no, we're all no. hard on ourselves oh yeah yeah no of course and we need to be because sound is unforgiving um dude <laughs> I, can, I, I, can, I can cheat I've got I've got books of tricks to cheat images I've got like a small pamphlet for cheating on sound there is no <laughs> there's cheating. no cheating there's he no is cheating. he does not care about your feelings <laughs> no 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 like uh like 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 visuals that's all ghost of Christmas past everything's joyful and nice but sound sound is the future sound is the future sound is the future and it's You're unforgiving. So right Oh. So you have another uh, project coming up called Afterwards? Yes. Excellent. Is that Afterwards Volume 1? Am I reading that right? Yes. Excellent. What is it? Uh, so this is going to be a trilogy of grown-up Christmas. Christmas. This is the problem with three ghosts, guys. Of gro <laughs> grown-up children's stories. I've been living Christmas for like the better part of 10 years. <laughs> um, it's, it's a trilogy of grown-up children's stories uh there will be three 
plays and musicals in this particular volume of Afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, they range from super naughty filled with language to mild and heartfelt, but they teach some really awesome life lessons that I think adults need to hear because we forget, like we have feelings and we just sort of plug along in our everyday lives. And sometimes we need a mirror held up to us to go, hang on a second, I'm better than this. Don't treat me this way. Or that's not right. You can't do that to my friend. And that's what these stories are doing. Um, we decided to do this because, so like I said, Pipe Dream, our theater company, is now 46 people large making podcast musicals. And the talent I have and get to work with is extreme, but I can't feature everybody all the time. So we were like, let's write some smaller shows so we can start featuring more people as leads. And that's where the idea of doing these mini trilogies came to be. Um, hilariously, one of the musicals in the trilogy already has a cast of 55 people. <laughs> But the other two are a cast of three and a cast of four. So it's it'll be nice to have uh, a difference between the three. Um, they We're going to do a release in May. We're not saying what the titles are yet, but I, I can let you know they're loaded with language. The music is hilarious. The music is sad. Um, you will definitely not know what's coming show to show because the three of them are entirely different from one another. And as an added like super cool bonus, and I think this is going to be the real winner of the whole project, we have what we're calling the conversation afterwards, which which is um, an analysis and a discussion done by uh, drama therapists and mental health experts on the show and then giving advice and support and groups and websites and phone numbers should you be someone in need or know someone in need. So there's going to be a really cool follow-up to each episode as well. Okay, so now I've got some more questions because okay. that's, not, that's not something somebody undertakes like lightly. <laughs> yeah. So is there... And I know that we're being a little we're, we're being a little vague about what it is because obviously we want to save it till the first release in May, but you know, is there some aspect of mental health that you're going after here? Um, it wasn't intentional, but I do think it's such a part of our lives on the daily, and I think that so many people deal with or suffer from things or know people that are going through stuff, and mm. it's only now becoming something that we comfortably and actively talk about and state. Mm -hmm. So a few years ago, C.E. Simon wrote what we call this like coffee table book. Um, it was a children's story and it was really dark and it had a lot to do with like being stuck in an abusive relationship and a narcissistic relationship. And uh, uh, I was like, this is amazing. This like every grown up needs to read this because it's written it's very dr seuss now like we rewrote it to be very rhymy and dr seussy but mm -hmm. you feel seen you're like this book sees me right now mm -hmm. <laughs> and it makes me uncomfortable and so when we decided to start writing these trilogies we were like hey we can like talk about stuff and i think what's really incredible is that even if you're not trying to mention something mental health or or psychologically related it's there because it's so a part of our culture and our community you can't ignore it right? like if you were to look even into three ghosts you could analyze stuff and relationships and mental health issues and all kinds of stuff in there trauma loss grief so for us to just do it and then say we did it let's talk about it how does this make you feel um that part to me is wonderful because 
it's, it's, you know, it's not like we, we didn't set out to change the world, but I do think that we're going to affect people with what we have to say. I want to get back to afterwards, but now that you bring that up, uh, it occurs to me, this presents me with an opportunity or something I like to do when I meet somebody who still lives in a production-based life, but maybe from an avenue that I don't involve myself in. You say that you've been doing, you've done uh, 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 cruise uh, cruises before. Mm-hmm. And you've been a musical director. You've been involved in musical production. And I can tell you just from my experience in advertising production and independent film production that the talk about mental health uh, and and honestly, working conditions in general, because production is such a grueling <laughs> Uh, lifestyle. I'm curious if you've seen a relative uplifted tick in kind of your neck of the woods about uh, people, be they uh, producers or employers, like taking our mental health as workers in this industry a bit more seriously. Um, it's so interesting that you say that. So m- my job as a director or music director, depending on what I'm hired as, is Mm -hmm. really the middle of any given totem pole. So as a director, I obviously have casts that I work with and singers that I work with, performers that would, for lack of better terms, like beneath me, but certainly not. Anyone that knows me knows I always say we're two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Like without each other, our jobs don't exist. But, you know, I'm their director. And then there are the people, producers or managers, whatever, that are, I am beneath. What's interesting to me is, and maybe this is, comes from me being a singer and a, a coach, an acting coach, a vocal coach. I'm, I'm not a director that ever says, leave it at the door. You come in this room, you're, you're doing your job, you're working, leave it at the door. That is like not my style in the least because like, how dare I? I, I have no right to tell you what to feel or what to be. All I can ask is that you are doing the best you can possibly be doing in this moment I'm asking you to. And if there's something that you're going through, you don't need to tell me what it is, but you could just be like, Liz, today is not a good one. And I'll be like, okay, I'm here. If you need anything, I won't push. I won't like poke at you today, but I know that you need some space or that you need a hug or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that in the last, I would say 10 years, I've become more aware of like energy and what people need in a room and and, and just being honest about everything. I'll walk into a rehearsal room and be like, guys, do not push my buttons today. <laughs> like, please don't bug me today. Just sing the notes on the page. Let's have a sandwich, you know, because sometimes there's just those days. But, and, oh God, if I ever want to work again, but maybe they won't hear this. I don't know. I don't always feel that coming down on me. I don't always feel that from the top. It's, mm-hmm. and I can say this very accurately about tons of my director friends, choreographer friends, we, I think we tend to be nurturers because we've been there and we remember being there. And like, just knowing someone is on your side is so meaningful. Mm -hmm. And, and so I would say, yes, from where I sit, I am more aware of it. I'm more aware of it around me. I'm more aware of how I treat people. Um, But I, I don't necessarily know if the people in the highest positions of what we do are aware (laughs) or if they even have time to care because of the structures they're built into and some of that is not their fault either you know they're just charged with a job so Mm -hmm. they do the job and the job is not always personable or having humanity it's numbers but on our level we are very actively dealing with humans so it becomes a lot more important and then people trust you 
because they know you're not bullshitting them and you, they know you care about them. And that's, oh my God, talk about making art in amazing circumstances. When you have that kind of trust, what flourishes is just unbelievable after that. Incredible. I'm, I'm sorry. Can you hear that? Um, no. Oh, thank God. No, my, my, my dog. No, not at all. No. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. Oh. He's, he's, he's dreaming right now. It's, <gasps> it's, it's love it's, when dogs dream. <laughs> it's so, it's so adorable, but he's also like an 80 pound pit bull, which means he sounds like a blast engine right now. Just, <laughs> what is his name? Oh, it's Zeke. Oh, dude. <laughs> you have yeah. a cool dog. That's so awesome. Oh, he's my main man. He's uh he's the super chill bro. Um, that is so, are you from, you're from New York, right? I am from New York state. That's uh, fine. Me too. Don't oh, feel yeah, ashamed about that. Oh, I'm not. I love my hometown. Where are you from? Utica, New York. Oh, I'm from White Plains originally. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I currently live in Nyack. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, no, I grew up in uh, Utica, home of the first mental institution in the United States of America, and currently one of the top five locations for war, refugee, relocation, and, um, uh, oh, God. This is what happens when I have beers at five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> um, relocation and re-education in America. Yeah. That's fact, actually a, a really cool stamp to have on a city. It really is. And it's one of those things that I didn't know about until I left it because I just thought everyone had Lebanese friends. You know, C.E. Uh, Simon is Lebanese. Is he? Yeah, he's half Lebanese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Yeah. Like literally. So yes, we do. We all have Lebanese friends. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... Afterwards is coming out in May. Uh, yes. You say, can I ask you, and, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, uh, do you ever see a point in time where Three Ghosts will make its live debut again? Yes, I do. Um, I, I talk about it on the daily. I believe it needs to see the stage again for, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I have a zillion ideas for it, and I love to talk about it. Um, so yes, I, yes, the answer is hard. Yes, there will be a day where Three Ghosts sees a stage again. Liz, thank you so much for being on today. Jeremy, you're the freaking best. This was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Liz, I can't wait to have you back once afterwards goes on up in May. Sweet, I'm there. Thanks, Liz. For more on Pipe Dream Theater and Three Ghosts, head on over to www.pipedreamtheater.com. For this episode and more, please head to drinkingwithcreatives.com and please support us there on our Patreon. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your preferred platform. My name is Jeremy Berger. I hope you're well. We'll see you next time.